We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Devontae Adams is headed to the Raiders. We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz, going solo tonight as Curtis was not able to make it. Um, just as I'm about to sit down and record, after getting the message from Curtis saying, "Hey, man, like I just can't make it," and I said to myself, "All right, let me uh, let me go back and dust off this outline. Look at what we're going to talk about." I open up my phone to discover that the Green Bay Packers and the Las Vegas Raiders have made a little bit of a swap in which two picks, I believe one will be a first rounder, will be going to Green Bay in exchange for Devontae Adams in what had already been an exciting day with the Allen Robinson signing going to the Rams and everything else that has happened Already uh, during free agency, not to mention NCAA tournament kicking off a lot going on today, but let's just take a pause now and uh, hit the fantasy headline drop because I mean, this is about as interesting and as exciting of a piece of news as you are going to find when you are sitting down to record. I probably should have dropped out the headline sound effect earlier, but since we're going solo tonight, I don't have the headphones in. We're just going to go with it. So my instant reaction to this is naturally, this is a bit of a downgrade for Adams over returning to Green Bay and playing with Aaron Rodgers. New coaching staff in Las Vegas. We can surmise that the team will look to do some things like we've seen from Josh McDaniels in the past. But clearly this team wants Adams. They're taking him there for a reason. I think that Carr is going to be able to maintain Adams status as an elite fantasy wide receiver. We might just have to discount what that means to a certain extent. I think he's going to be fine we know that generally when veteran wide receivers switch teams, 
on the average, it is a bit of, uh, it kind of depreciates their value to a certain extent in that first year um, over what you would expect. I would say in the case of a player like Adams, perhaps that doesn't matter so much. Um, from his talent perspective, of course, it's a little bit different when you might be downgrading from a player like Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr, who, like I said, I think can support fantasy wide receivers, but perhaps if Adams was maybe wide receiver five in your redraft rankings before, it's possible that when you sit down and you go through the exercise, he moves back to seven or eight. I'm not really sure without having had really much time to process this or think about um, the guys in that range um, as some of the dust settles with all of these moves. But I think that the key summary for the initial takeaway here is that he remains an elite fantasy wide receiver. You might need to move him back some, but he's probably going to remain in a range where that movement is more or less immaterial for how you think about him. What's probably more interesting is what this means for Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. Um, You're going to have Brian Edwards there as well. I think, though, that the impact that you're going to see is mainly to Waller and Renfro. Now, Renfro, we've talked about a fair amount. He was really getting usage in a way last year that might not make sense for a player of his talent level. Clearly bringing in Adams is going to push him down a little bit. I think he still remains a player that could be a wide receiver three type of player at the position. But yes, we're definitely going to have to adjust. Trying to project the target share or the total targets um, at, at this point, I still think you're, well, I shouldn't say I still think my initial reaction would be that you're going to see Adams probably, at least we should see him somewhere at that 28% range, maybe Renfro down closer to somewhere around 22 or 23. Hopefully Waller can still get somewhere around 20 to 22. Maybe, um, those are pretty high shares, but I don't think that there's a lot of reason to think that other players are going to get heavily involved into the passing game. Now, Waller had a down year for himself in 2021. Some may have already been concerned about his outlook in 2022. Of course, you're going to have some people spinning it, saying that this may allow Las Vegas to do things that make it harder for defenses to cover Darren Waller. But a lot of this is really conjecture because we don't know exactly how this offense is going to run. Do you need to make a big adjustment for Waller? Probably not. But I think that if you were considering Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, maybe George Kittle to be ahead of him, or you had a little bit of a tie between Kittle and um, Waller, maybe you're throwing Kyle Pitts into this mix. Maybe it's a reason to move him back just a little bit. Um, I think we will have to think about that a little bit more at this point, though, like I said, with Adams, I don't think this materially changes where he is. Let me ponder that, though, a little bit. Let me think about that. Really exciting move, though. Um, This stuff always adds a level of intrigue to preparation for the season, adds a lot of excitement to just sit there and wait and really see when September hits. What does this look like? How does Derek Carr respond to this how does las vegas move forward how does adams assimilate in that's going to be really fun to watch now on the other side of the fence aaron Rodgers, what does he do now presumably 
it would seem very obvious now that Green Bay needs to go and get that young, strong rookie wide receiver. Now, with where they're going to be drafting, they are going to be getting, I'm looking at this now, um, Las Vegas's number 22 and number 53 picks. So they'll be picking at 22, and they will also be picking at, yeah, they'll be picking at 28 as well. So does this open the door for them to have picks of players like Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson. It probably does. Uh, maybe Chris Olave. This is assuming that guys like Drake London, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson are all ready to be gone, but it would seem a foregone conclusion that they're going to have to at least add one of these guys it would be really interesting if we saw them add two. I don't know enough about the Packers organization right now to be um, sure in any sense if that's something that's likely to happen. But I think that now this creates a situation where for best ball drafts, we might be thinking now a little bit more about trying to get some exposure to guys like Williams um, than we had in the past because there is a big opportunity for these guys to step into. Now, do any of the players that look likely to land their profile as guys that are going to be that Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase type of guy that hits right away? Maybe not, but I think those are still going to be interesting players, especially because we also now have Marquez Valdez Scantling potentially leaving. Um, I know the Bears have shown interest. Perhaps now with Adams being moved, this incentivizes Green Bay to take him back. But the other players that you would have there are Lazard and Randall Cobb. Um, this doesn't leave at the current point in time, a lot of players for Aaron Rodgers to target. So we do have to think that this lowers his stock a little bit, um, in terms of quarterback rankings for 2022. Granted, there are a lot of passers that I would rather have had heading into this season when I was working through my rankings, even if Adam's was still there a note on rankings we just relaunched our redraft slash best ball rankings on the site last night kind of put together a new format for the tool so there's a couple of cool things that are going to be in there there's going to be one view where you can look at more traditional rankings so you'll have a column for each ranker you can see the spot that we've assigned to each player in our rankings it's also going to show an average tier column average ranking column and the tiers now are really cool that we built the, the way we've built them in this year because you can go to a tiers by position tab and in that tab you're going to select a particular ranker and then it's going to have columns for each position with the players listed underneath that position in order of where they're ranked but then it's going to show you which tier they're in you might be able to appreciate that more when you look at it visually but I was pretty excited with how that came out. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So redraft rankings are up on the site right now. We just have your standard uh, configuration for PPR rankings. Um, we'll be adding in more formats as the spring progresses. Uh, and then also we're finishing up the process of doing the same thing in the Dynasty Rankings app and working our way through Dynasty Rankings. I'm hope that we can get those live next week. Um, just doing your initial pass for the year. There's a lot that goes into it, especially when you're adding in the element of tears, trying to rework the app. So 
I'm pushing for us to get that up as soon as we can. We will also have um, our rookie rankings up on the site, hopefully coming out soon. Um, Volume two of the rookie draft guide is getting finalized. I don't know the exact date that that's going to drop yet, but there's a lot going on um, on that front. But back to this news. Um, In reacting to Adams leaving Green Bay. At the current point in time, I don't think that I make any of these wide receivers skyrocket up my rankings or really even have a sig- significant movement up. We'll talk about that more post-draft, um, but I think that it's very possible. We've been saying this for a long, long time now, and I'm going to beat that drum again, that it's possible that we see some guys getting overvalued simply because they play in Green Bay and they're receiving passes from Aaron Rodgers. Really, it's been some time since we've seen multiple players or a player not named Devontae Adams really get this huge boost from being in Green Bay. Uh, So right now, we're not expecting to see this one-two punch from Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb resurrected with two other players. So just be be careful about that because I know that hype train is going to start again, and I think we really need to be careful. If we turn our attention now towards Los Angeles, Allen Robinson, I mean, this is awesome for him. Um, I'm happy to see this. We've talked a lot about just how garbage the group of passers that he's played with have been. In fact, I'm so happy for Allen Robinson. Let's just take a moment of applause. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I mean, this has just been a long time coming. I think that what you're going to see is that Allen Robinson is a very talented wide receiver who still has it. Of course, though, he's going to be playing with Cooper Cup, an absolute target machine coming off one of the best wide receiver seasons we've ever seen. Robert Wood should be back. It's looking like the team isn't going to bring back OBJ. So let's just focus on what this roster looks like. This wide receiver core. If you have Robinson, Woods, and Cup, 
arguably one of the best trios in the league. I would have to think, um, I, I can't imagine anybody would disagree with that. Now, where does Robinson fit in with that grouping from a fantasy perspective? I think that you're not going to have a situation where Robinson can really flirt with being a wide receiver one wide receiver two, I think is in play as is a wide receiver three. My gut reaction is if you're going through rankings, you probably should end up with Robinson somewhere between wide receiver 21 to wide receiver 27, likely with Robert Woods in that same kind of range. Can Matthew Stafford support three wide receivers from a fantasy perspective? I would say with what we saw last year, I certainly think that we can. Uh, we now have precedent on some of these teams, um, much like Tampa Bay last year, where we're still able to see three wide receivers all finish with per game averages in the wide receiver one wide receiver two range. So for Allen Robinson, this is a huge positive. Um, is he going to get back to perhaps the peak that we've seen of him? No, but this really resurrects his value. I would say in dynasty in the next three years and particularly in redraft as we head into next year, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with his ADP. I think that savvy drafters will recognize you should probably not hold last year against him as much as you would like to, if you were a person or a manager that invested in him heavily heading into last season and then were let down. Um, so we'll see what shakes out there. Do you need to make any changes for how you're valuing Cooper cup? I would say, no, you, you do not need to do that. Um, would you make a change to how you're valuing Robert Woods? Um, perhaps, um, one thing that, uh, you might have to do is be a little less likely to do what I've been doing, which is tossing Van Jefferson on my teams toward the end of best ball drafts. Um, his stock certainly takes a little bit of a hit. However, um, we can assume that there's going to be points that the team will have to use him. Um, there might be teams times that the team does look to use him. So he hasn't lost all value entirely. There were some other moves, right? We've got DJ Chark headed to Detroit. It's only so long that Amon Ross and Brown could keep pulling the wool over people's eyes. Um, are we going to see 10 targets per game from him next season? Probably not. Um, this should move him back in your tiers, maybe two to three tiers. I still think that he could be somewhat usable, still a receiver that you could draft on your teams to round out your wide receiver core. Uh, but if you remember maybe a month or two ago, when I tried to make a case looking at some of the historical perspective for St. Brown about his outlook in 2022, Curtis had us, had us take a step back, which made sense. And one of the reasons was it's not like this team isn't going to add in any other bodies at wide receiver. It's also likely another young player comes in via the draft. And sure, St. Brown could be a solid wide receiver, uh, but his circumstances have changed. And the circumstances last year were likely better than they're going to be in 2022. So unless you felt like St. Ra, uh, excuse me, um, Amon Ra was an absolute dynamite prospect that should overcome all odds, which 
he was a good prospect, but doesn't fit that mold. You should now correct for that. And oh yeah, I forgot to mention when we were talking about Green Bay, you have former Green Bay wide receiver Equinemius St. Brown now headed to Chicago. Um, so if you're calibrating for the Green Bay situation in your mind, just know that he's a piece that you shouldn't be including in that equation. Now in the Bears wide receiver room, I don't think that this real uh, Robinson leaving should really change things too much about what your outlook might be for Darnell Mooney bringing in um, St. Brown wouldn't really move the needle there that much either. So I think from a Chicago standpoint, there aren't any major takeaways right now. Damian Williams is headed to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, from looking into this situation in a little bit greater depth, yeah, right now you might think that he's going to slate in ahead of Olison and Mike Davis, assuming that Patterson doesn't return. And that might be true. I am not going to be heavily targeting him though in best ball drafts right now, because I think what you're going to see is his ADP get more of a boost than it should in an unsettled situation. Now the Falcons are a team that has a lot. They have a lot of needs. Um, so perhaps they don't directly address their running back situation this year. Uh, but it, it's probably still too early to feel like we have much visibility into what that running back situation is going to look like. Um, I don't think we need to cover much more there as we continue along. I think it's really interesting that the dolphins bring in Raheem Mostert mainly because now this just creates a situation where both he and miles Gaskin pretty much lose all redraft value in my eyes. Does this make me change how excited I may have been for Chase Edmonds for that news of him going to Miami? A little bit. Um, but one of the things that, and I'm not sure that we mentioned it that much when we actually talked about Chase Edmonds. Uh, one of the thoughts that I had, though, is he probably lands in that running back dead zone range where I probably wouldn't have been drafting him that much. But just in terms of the moves in the league, it was exciting because it gave another running back an opportunity that perhaps he hadn't had in the past. Um, but we're probably, if we're using a lot of the road of his approaches, not going to be drafting that much in Chase Edmonds. This signing of Mostert might give us a little bit more of pause. Uh, but like I said, it really is the nail in the coffin for Miles Gaskin, as well as uh, Salvin Ahmed, who uh, I had used uh, in spots when my teams needed him over the last couple of years. We're not going to talk about uh, Baker Mayfield in that situation in Cleveland until we have Curtis back next week. I do quickly, though, want to mention um, Hayden Hurst signing with Cincinnati. Not because I think that this makes Hurst a guy that we have to go after, but I do think this puts him in the conversation for those tight ends that you might be looking at um, for like tight end 13 to tight end 18. Uh, CJ Uzama is gone. He's going to be in New York. Leaves a little bit of a window there for Hayden Hurst. And I think that we could be looking at an offense that's so good 
that uh, though he's going to be low in the pecking order, he still does draw some value. It's going to be hard to predict when, but nonetheless, I think that we could see a couple of good games from Hayden Hurst in 2022. Chris Godwin re-signs with Tampa Bay. Brady's going to be back, which is amazing. Uh, I think that, again, we're looking at Mike Evans and Chris Godwin as two guys that can flirt with finishing as wide receiver ones. If they're not wide receiver ones, will definitely be wide receiver twos. Godwin and Evans both remain guys that I'm going to be excited about getting on my teams. Where they land in terms of tiers for me, definitely not in my top tier of wide receivers. I'm not sure if they're going to be in my second tier of wide receivers, but I think that this is a good outcome for fantasy managers with Godwin going there. Uh, perhaps it would have been interesting to see him land somewhere where he could really take over. Uh, perhaps if we'd seen him to go to a place like Atlanta, where he was sharing the field uh, with Pitts at tight end being the main focus at wide receiver could have been interesting, but at the very least we have now some information to work with here um, on Godwin. There's less guesswork that needs to be done. And I think it's fair to more or less roll forward. What we saw from Evans and Godwin last year, while also accounting for the fact that Antonio Brown is not going to be there. Um, I'm not sure if Curtis would have a disagreement with me there. Uh, I think he's probably going to be on the same page, but we will revisit that with him, obviously, um, when he returns next week. Uh, I've been asked by a couple of, uh, of my fantasy friends, if you will, uh, my reaction to OJ Howard going to Buffalo as it relates to Dawson Knox, uh, especially because we'd heard about, um, other tight ends potentially being linked to Buffalo. I'm not ready yet to say though, that this really tremendously changes the outlook for Dawson Knox. I think it's really only going to be a major issue if somehow um, it caused Knox to lose that red zone goal line type of usage. Um, I have liked Knox, but I think that what he did last year is going to be hard to continually uh, reproduce as we head into 2022. So I was going to have to discount him a little bit in my mind. Um, as of now, though, I don't think that the Howard signing really like destroys his value, if he will. I think he probably sits in a similar spot in the tight end rankings. Maybe if you're comparing him to players that that in the same range of other positions, he slates down a little bit beneath them. The Titans released Julio Jones, uh, given that we didn't really see too much of Julio Jones playing with AJ Brown last year. I don't think we need to discuss the impact to AJ Brown. Um, Julio will have to see where he ends up as of now, though. I'm not inclined to say that it's going to be a huge splash wherever he goes. Um, I might change my mind when I actually see the landing spot. Uh, other news looks like um, Deshaun Watson is going to be the starting quarterback for a team very likely in the NFC South next year. And if you are a person that is going to draft Deshaun Watson on your redraft after your best ball team, 
I think he probably slates in somewhere around quarterback seven, quarterback eight, regardless of which team he ends up with. It's looking like it's probably going to be Atlanta or New Orleans. At this point, looks like he passed on the Browns. I believe it's been reported that he's passed on Carolina. As a result, you might want to get ahead of schedule if you are going to want to target his wide receivers. Um, you're going to want to start looking to get those guys um, on those teams. Maybe now, because it's very likely that their ADP will rise after the deal's been hit. So if you're in a couple of best ball drafts now, now might be the appropriate time to reach for those guys. Uh, Russell Gage, by the way, will be leaving Atlanta, heading over to Tampa Bay. Naturally, that hurts his value. Was looking like he was a guy that you could have slated for a pretty significant uh, market share, target share. Uh, naturally, that will be going down. Uh, Russell Gage in Tampa Bay probably just becomes, you know, more of a jag, just a guy. Um, definitely then the situation in Atlanta would have uh would would have kind of changed that outlook for him, even if he was just a Jag. Sorry, Zach Kruger. Um, you know, he's a Jag that was gonna get a lot of involvement. Um, why am I saying Jag so much? Uh Bill Belichick tends to use that a lot. My brother thinks it's hilarious, and as a result, I hear the term a lot. Now I'm just kind of rambling, which tends to happen when Curtis is not here, but hey. That is my job. It is right now just to keep talking. Now, I did have a couple of questions that I'd posed to Curtis that I wanted to get his take on, let him kind of break those down. Uh, I'm going to share those quick responses that he had that he sent to me in a quick note. Um, the first question that I asked him, and hey, you know what? Let's even um, Let's even drop it and drop right now. Uh, just to transition topics here. So one question that I asked Curtis was this. We often view dynasty players in dynasty in terms of draft picks. Would you trade player X for a first round, two first rounders, three first rounders? And we're going to have to get more of the explanation on how Curtis mind works when considering this. But I asked like a veteran running back, somebody like Nick Chubb, if you compare them to a first round pick, how do you determine if he is a first round pick? Like is Chubb a first round pick? Like is his is his value the same as Brees Hall's right now? And the answer really is no, it's not. Like Nick Chubb isn't worth a first rounder at this point. As Curtis said, that's because at this point it's impossible for Chubb to pick up value. And you have a guy like Brees Hall, uh, Entering the league, even though he's just entering it now, his value is probably um, about as high as it could ever be. And that is because there is the potential there. He's at the point where he's going to be the most productive and the most valuable. So a guy like Nick Chubb, even if you have him in a really great situation, um, even if he were in that tremendous situation, it's unlikely that he's going to be able to hold on to value heading into next year like Brees Hall would have. And that's even without having seen Brees Hall play. Uh, so Curtis could expand on that more, but I just wanted to get his take on that. Um, and, and so it's it's a lot of it is really just thinking about in comparison to that first round draft pick, what could things look like next year? Now, maybe that calculus kind of changes if the players on your team and you know the makeup of your roster. But in a vacuum, when you're considering these 
veteran running backs, it's very hard for them actually to have that first round valuation, which I'm not sure that's entirely intuitive um, or easy to digest when you're thinking about moving them off of your team. The other question that I asked too, that I wanted us to talk through was just uh, Javante Williams and what tier he slates into for redraft in, um, in 2022. I can say that I did not have him in my first round in my, my first tier of running backs. I had him in the second, uh, but Sean Siegel actually had him in his first round. I wanted to break this or his Sean had him in his first tier. I wanted to break this down a little bit more with Curtis. Uh, Curtis says that he has him in his second tier as well, not in his first. And I believe that Curtis's tier one is probably going to look more just like Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor. Um, this is a tricky thing, though, when you have a player like Williams, because if you do believe that he's going to be one of these breakout stars in year two, then he probably should be in your first tier. Um, make sure you listen to Road of His Overtime, because I'm sure at some point Sean's going to break that down a little bit more for us, why he actually puts him in tier one. I'm sure he'll make a really compelling case. Um, but for me, I have him slated back in tier two just because I do feel like there's a little bit of a difference if I'm looking at that range of outcomes and my expectation for him and what I could get from say like Jonathan Taylor and how I feel about him versus what I think is reasonable to expect from Williams. Now, somebody could do it different. If you're looking at getting as much upside as you possibly can out of backs, then yeah, maybe he does belong in your tier one. So it's interesting that you could have, a number of ways of cutting at things and how you structure your team and that you do need to consider that when you're going to any site and looking at their rankings or looking at their tiers. You know, we see this a lot when we're doing different things that though at Rotoviz, we tend to have very similar thought patterns, very similar processes between the ownership team, between the staff, between the writers. Um, but we don't always end up in the same position, which I think is a good thing. Um, and it just goes to show you that there's more than one way to think about fantasy football and to play the game. Um, I do want to revisit those questions, those with Curtis when he gets back. So hopefully that little sneak peek there is usable. Um, listen, you're going to be, you're going to be listening to this on Friday. I hope that your NCAA tournament brackets are doing well. I hope that there's some more exciting free agency news trades coming out and that more than anything, you just have a great weekend. We enjoy, we've enjoyed having you, uh, this week and look forward to talking to you next. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.